This is the FM Evolution Podcast, brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, guys? Sean Black and FM Evolution. Welcome to another show. I am excited today. Very excited because we have a author and speaker, David Averin, on the show. Now, David is one of the most in-demand customer experience and marketing keynote speakers uh, and consultants in the world today. And so I'm really excited to have him on. We're talking a little bit about what he's going to be talking about at, at RIFMA. If you guys don't know, the Restaurant Facility Maintenance Association uh, event It's March 8th. And we're going to be there. Uh, we're going to be at Booth 1020 doing our podcast live. So everyone who is going to be there, be sure to come by and check it out. Um, David is going to be speaking with us there as well. But today we're covering the customer experience uh, and a few things. We're getting a little bit of a sneak peek of what he's going to be covering there. So I'm excited to have him on. You guys do not want to miss this. He is amazing. But before that, here's a word from our sponsor. CGP Maintenance and Construction Services Incorporated is not just a general contractor. They build, service, and maintain facilities while self-performing for some of the largest brands in the nation. With over 33 years in business, they've got what it takes to be the partner you deserve in today's fast-paced facility management marketplace. David, man, thank you for joining the show. I'm really excited to have you on and... and uh, I met you because you're going to be the keynote speaker at RIFMA coming up, um, and uh, you know we got a chance to talk a little bit. But uh, I'm excited to get into the subjects that you cover, sure, because they're just they're um, like amazing stuff. Um, but before we do that, as a way of kind of getting to know you guys, or you can tell us a little bit uh, about you, um, what I always ask everyone what they're reading. Oh, what am I reading right now? What are you reading right now? You know what? Right here, within reach, for those who are watching the video version, I'm reading Jeffrey Gittimer's, I'm not going to say this out loud, Get Stuff Done. <laughs> I um, love that. Jeff Gittimer is, is, is a great friend of mine. He actually wrote the foreword to my last book, not my most current book. Hmm. Um, I like it because he just says what needs to be said. He's irreverent. Um, you know, he'll throw a whole lot more F-bombs on stage than I'll ever do, but he can get away with it because he he's earned attention that way. You know, right, sure. but, he, but he wrote the little red book of selling and the little green book of whatever, envy, I have no idea. But this book, Get Stuff Done, um, is, you know, for those of us, we're all multitasking. We're all trying to get things done. That's and right. sometimes um, we need to kick ourselves in the butt or we, we do really great work for our clients, but sometimes we need to uh, do that for ourselves. And the other thing I'm reading right now <laughs> is uh, my and the Julius group, they work with organizations and they have this whole customer experience university. Great respect for the man um, personally and professionally. And uh, I try to, I try to keep learning, you know, in my job, I teach, I teach from the stage. I inspire audiences. I hammer audiences, um, but I need to keep learning as well. That's outstanding. I, I mean, I love to hear what people are reading and, and I always add those to my list as well. Um, but I mean, I love to hear from you. I mean, David, you are certainly a recognized as one of the uh, top authors by, by Forbes. Um, 
Oh, you know, it's so funny that you should mention that, Sean. (laughs) This is the other thing I'm reading, mostly because I wrote it. It's my new book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. And as you said, this was a huge surprise for me when Forbes named it one of their top 10 business books of the year. That's got to be exciting. But here's the the other part of it. This was was a rant. This Mm -hmm. was me going through and talking to a lot of different people. What pisses you off about working with companies? What are the things that frustrate you? Despite mm-hmm. what they say, despite how much they care, what is it that they're doing that's behaving, whether it's inadvertent or not, that we just find frustrating, right? You can tell us that our call is very important to you, but if you tell it to us through a recorded message 14 times and it takes 45 minutes before somebody answers the phone. It doesn't feel very important. Well, it just, well you weren't telling yeah. the truth yep. because our call wasn't important or you would have answered the call. Uh, or, or we're experiencing a, an unexpectedly high volume of calls. No, that's not true either. You know exactly when your volume is. You just chose to understaff. Mm. So what was kind of interesting, and it makes me laugh, was the amount of feedback I get and the letters I get from people really all around the world mm. um, about how I just like, thank you for speaking for us. But I use it as a cautionary tale towards those in business that it's not about being really good at what you do. That's the entry fee. I mean, everybody's good. I mean, if you weren't good, you wouldn't business today. But today it's, it's about often as being remarkably easy to do business with. And we just launched the book in India. It's coming out this year in Chinese, in Russian, in Vietnamese, in Spanish. Wow. Because it's universal. Because yeah. we as a species are growing more demanding. We're more impatient. I ask audiences all the time. I said, do you ever notice that your audiences are a little more impatient or your, your customers? And they're all like, welcome to my world. Yeah, um, you know, Sean, it's it's interesting. We 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 heard in business, technology changes, markets will change, but people don't change. And I am here to tell you, people do change. Mm. We're changing in profound ways in terms of how we do business, how we expect to do business, and so that's my crusade as I travel the country and around the world um, to work with with industry specific industries, and I tailor my presentation to saying. How are people doing business with you today? How is it going to be different in a year? Not 10 years, but next year. And what's driving some of those changing expectations so that you can attract and thrill and retain the important clients and customers that you have? That's exciting. How did you tell me a little bit about your journey? How did you get to this point? You know, I got to this because... I spent 20 years talking marketing and branding, and I still do to an extent, about how do we effectively differentiate from others who do what we do. And a lot of, what, a lot of that was around messaging and how do we transcend the boring messages of when we talk about quality yeah. and commitment and caring and trust in people. Well, the reality is everybody has those. What, what can we say differently? What can we do to articulate that? But what I also came to recognize, Sean, was that, <laughs> that companies can talk a good game and then if they attract somebody, we get them in there and then they piss off their customer because of a long wait or miscommunication or they put a contact form on their website and there's no way to actually talk to a real person. What's the point of the words? What's the point of the marketing message if they're just going to screw up that customer's journey through their buying process? Yeah, exactly. And so we've come to recognize is the words that you say don't mean a lot what we say about ourselves, but you know what means a lot? What others say about you. And, and that was my first book, which is, it's not, it's not who you know, it's who knows you, right? Right. But it's the same thing about, about the words. People will look for social proof because they want to avoid screwing this up. So they'll look at what other people are saying about you online. Were you good to work with? Were you responsive? Was somebody pissed off about something? And 
you know, if there's, if there's one negative for every 10, that's not a big deal. That, nobody's going to thrill everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point they kind of expect some. Well, and especially when you look at, at industries like, like restaurant facility management, I mean, you're, most of your contact with clients is in somewhat of a crisis situation. Something went wrong. That's why they need you. Exactly. Right? So it's always going to be skewed towards something they're not happy about. And unless you can do what they want the way they want it as fast as they can because they're losing revenue or, or uh, you know, power goes out or they don't have water and they can't serve customers, <laughs> it's on you, right? And so we'll talk about that very specifically. When I, when I come in, I'm going to work with the organization in early March is we're going to talk real specific examples of the kinds of scenarios and how do we transcend them? How do we remind them of all the times that things don't go wrong and why? Because the vast majority, we know within the industry, and I've done a lot of work with, with restaurants over the years, is we know that the vast majority of potential problems they never know about. Because That's right. They, because they were headed off beforehand. And I think there is a place of, of recognizing and reminding them of all the things that went well, and here's why. You know, you know we, we can talk about, you know, look how many days without an accident or how many days without, well, there's a reason behind it because right. somebody, <laughs> because somebody's in charge of that, because somebody's keeping watch of that. And so I'm a big fan of, of, of those who do the hard work behind the scenes, but I'm also, uh, I'm also bold and encouraging in terms of, of it's okay to talk about the great work that you do. There is no shame in getting credit for doing good work. And your good work isn't just overcoming crises. It's most of your work is preventing those. And yeah. so I celebrate that. I encourage um, and give them tools and techniques of how to promote that so that we can create an army of ambassadors and create that documented social proof online so that they can, um, they can attract and retain some of the best chains and, and units. I love that, man. When I first got into this industry, into facility maintenance, I, I had no idea um, the amount of work that goes into making things look perfect, you know, or right. close to it. Um, and you walk into a restaurant and everyone's really nice and you know, it's all good, you know, you, but you don't, you don't see the you don't know it's frantic behind it. Right. But even from a service perspective, right? They don't see the kitchen in most places. No even way, what I do, yeah. people see this well-run. I, I do a lot of keynotes. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow to go, to go work with Hilton, Hilton Hotels. <clears throat> and I'm on stage and they got a big, you know, iMag screen and the AV, everything is perfect. They don't know what's going on backstage, right? Organized chaos. There's people organized chaos, right? <laughs> but but I have an appreciation for that. But I worked yes. in the restaurant industry for a long time as well. I have that, that appreciation. But but when you think about all the things that you do in terms of regulatory compliance, right, and OSHA, and all of those things as well, not just preventing things going wrong, but making sure that those restaurant operators are protected. Yeah. Right? That's, That's exciting, man. I, so we're going to see you uh, coming up here at RIFMA. Uh, you're going to yes. be there, Mark. Let me get my calendar off the side. I think it's Monday, the 9th of March. Right. So we're going to be podcasting there. And I know we talked about having you on after, after your sure. big event. Happy to do so. That'd be so cool. But uh, I was, you know, maybe we can get a sneak peek of what you're going to talk about today. Just a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm happy to do so. I was thinking yeah. about doing the, the podcast afterwards and you're going to ask me, David. David. Does it always happen like that? Do they rush the stage and throw <laughs> articles of clothing and, and room keys and that, that thunderous applause? It went beyond 15 minutes. How could that? No. Um, incredible. Yeah. I know. It was incredible. I can't wait for that. 
we're, I know I can't wait for that to happen either. Um, no, here's, here's, the, here's the sneak peek um, is that I want to take the, the people in the audience, the, the, the members, leadership and otherwise, through, a, first of all, an understanding of what's changed and why. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got some, some good humor. I've got some video clips, but mostly about comparing it to yesteryear. And mm-hmm. by yesteryear, I mean pre-iPhone, which was, what, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. The world was world. different. Yeah. Right? We've always, listen, we've always wanted what we want when we want it. Always. Today, we've come to expect it. We've, we've, <clears throat> we've begun being compared against industries, unfairly to be sure, that have nothing to do with what we do. You know, in business, and for those who are listening or watching this right now, you always had to be better than most in your category, right? At least halfway or much better to be one of the top contenders. Today, we're being compared against industries that have nothing to do with us. What, what, what do you mean that that can't be delivered? Um, you don't know when that's going to be delivered. Well, I can look at my phone and, and Uber can show Tell me exactly right where the driver is. Right, here's where his car is. He's at a stoplight and he's going to be here in four minutes. Why can't you do that? What, you, you can't have free shipping and get it here overnight? Amazon can do that, right? Like I said, unfair, but it also affects your competitors as well. But what it it's done does. is it's changed a mindset. So <clears throat> one of the things I say, and I'm not going to give away too much, but I, yeah. but I talk about just sort of this impatience that we recognize that our, our customers and clients have that we've never seen. And I said, but don't blame them and don't blame millennials. It's all of us. Oh I, gosh, say, I, I guarantee, I guarantee I can go, and I, I tell them in the audience, I, say, I, I could walk into your house right now, but go to where you are, walk into your house, walk into your kitchen and look at your microwave oven and it's going to be at two, two seconds because you couldn't wait those last two seconds. You're cooking five, four, three. Oh, just give me that. You're done, right? <laughs> but that's all of us. And so how does that manifest itself? And the questions that we ask Alexa, the things that we, of course, comes on in my office here when I said that. Um, and then um, you know, my too. kids ordering DoorDash and whatever else. Well, we can, we can lament that or we can recognize it and we can adjust and we can accommodate because we are entering an age of accommodation. So the first part is sort of talk about the history, talk about the differences between customer service and customer experience, which mm. is significant. And then I do a whole section on eliminating points of friction. The things that we design in our business make sense. We designed them for a reason. They make mm-hmm. sense logistically, in terms of profitability, in terms of, of maximizing our skill sets. It works. But how often have we walked that customer path from uh, the customer's perspective? Were we able to reach a real person? How long did it take to get somebody on the phone? And those are some of the basic issues. So we go much deeper into that and I tell some stories and make some real specific examples, but here's where the real meat of it is, is an, uh, an opportunity in the, in the second section of to, to be able to understand our customers better on a deeper level. We understand them demographically and psychographically, and we know who we sell to, but do you understand about their lives? Do you understand their, excuse me, their internal decision-making process, not just within their brain, but within their organization right. that we're selling to, or the people that we have to report to, or please, or send us the messages at one in the morning. Who do they have to report to? What are the metrics that they're being evaluated on? What can we do to make their life easier, better, easier, all of those things as well? Our CEO, man, he has this saying, he has, um, he's always talking about burning less calories, you know, yeah. how, how we can make them, our clients, burn less calories, like make things right. easier. Well, and sometimes the, the best for, for people who work behind the scenes, like, you know, facility managers and others, 
it's out of sight is, is a really nice thing. I'll tell you a really quick story. Um, and I don't tell this on stage, but I probably should. 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I owned a, a marketing and PR agency and I had, I think eight people working for me and we had, um, ADP in, uh, that did our payroll, yep. did our tax, and they screwed something up. It, mistakes happened, but it was kind of a pain and we had to fix it all. So I let them go. Um, I invited them to find another customer or whatever, a client, and I hired, <laughs> and I hired payroll one. And so my assistant comes into my office and she says, um, hey, Dave, do you have a quick second? I want you to meet Jack. He's from payroll one. I said, hey, Jack, very nice to meet you. I said, I want you to take this the right way. I never want to see you again. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to know you. I don't want to know anything about you. And, uh, and I'm really glad that you're here. And he just started laughing. He goes, I got it. And so he leaves or whatever. And, and my assistant walks <laughs> in. She goes, what the hell was that? And I said, no, he gets it. The only reason I hire an outside payroll agency is so I don't have to deal with it. That's right. I don't and the minute do I have to intervene, it's like, well, why did I hire you? The fact that he laughed, he knew exactly what I was talking about. And I said it with a smile on my face. But she's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> but I think that's the same thing. Like insurance companies, you don't even want to know until you need them and you want to make sure that they're there. I think the work that you do, I think a lot of that is the same. Mm. However, I think there's an opportunity for you to get credit for more than you are. I think there's great work behind the scenes and, and I'm going to talk about a structure to help the person you're selling to or making please help them get what they need. Uh, some exciting. of those people, you know what they need? They need a win. Yeah. They need to look good to their boss. They do. They need to know that this is off their plate. Um, and so part of the language from a sales perspective as well is along those lines. How do we help them understand um, years ago, like 30 years ago, I used to sing in a band. No. And, and so we would do, and not only did I have a mullet, Sean, I had a, I had a permed mullet. A that's permed how, mullet. That's how 80s. That I was. is awesome. But occasionally we'd get hired to sing at a wedding or something else. And what I would say after we talked to him, I'd tell the bride and the groom, but mostly just the bride, I'd say, listen, a baby is going to cry. The flowers are going to be wrong. And the mother of bride's going to be, be crazy. Check the band off your list. We're good. You'll never have to worry about us again. And you could literally physically see her exhale going, mm. thank you. Thank you. Isn't that what you do? Yeah. Aren't you the ones that, that give them, we call those swan companies, right? Remember, yeah. You know, swan sleep well at night. That's right. You guys <laughs> help and I know gender specificity for those listening, you help um, restaurant owners and operators sleep well at night. Yeah, that's exactly. That's so well put. And I, we, when you have new people that come to work here, that's basically how I would tell them that that's what we do. Right. You're not, you're not cleaning the grease trap. You're preventing uh, a fire. That's right. At the local place, right? You're not mopping the floor. You're preventing a slip and fall. Um, that could damage the organization, right? We all do something really important. So anyway, there's sort of a sneak peek at That's some awesome. of the things that I, that I cover. I've got a lot, a lot of great stories, and, um, but hard content. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a motivational speaker. Uh, I think people can find it motivating. It's, it's just business. Yeah. And it's tailored to the industry, and they'll know, uh, and you'll know that I'm speaking to you. Yeah, I'm excited for you to hear it. Uh, I mean, it's, it sounds exactly right up our alley, like what the people at RIFMA really need to hear. And I think that's- Dude, great. I'm excited. I am, I'm excited for you. We're going to kill together. it. We're going <laughs> to All right, what uh, else? All right, man. So um, I wanted to ask you, how, you, how did you begin speaking? Uh, like, how did you get to this point to speak? Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. A lot of people have sort of a different path. 
I don't think you go to you or you don't go to school to be a, a speaker. I mean, you might right. take forensics to be good at debate. Um, no, I was a, a marketing guy for a lot of years, marketing yeah. and branding and, and, and public relations. I own my own firm. I did it for 20 plus years. Wow. And then I got asked to teach others what I do. So I started being asked to speak at a conference or, um, you know, would you come and talk about, about marketing or representing the organization that I'd worked for at the time? And about 22 years ago, I actually got hired by a professional speaker, which I didn't realize that was a thing. I mean, we all knew Chris Farley you know, on Saturday Night Live living in a van down by the river. That guy. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the motivational, you know, and I started thinking, you know, if you have a profession that's being mocked on Saturday Night Live, or what's the commercial now with the Pinocchio? You have potential and you have potential. <laughs> and I write. And so, but I remember sitting across from him telling about what he does. And I realized I sort of recouched it in my mind that it's not being a professional. It's, it's teaching what you know. Mm -hmm. And so even when people talk about nervous, like, Oh, I couldn't get up in front of audiences. I say, I just teach them what I know. Yeah. It's not a speech. I'm not behind a podium. I'm passionate about what I do. Um, I make it clear of, of what I think they're doing wrong and can be done better. And I give them the tools to make that happen. I tell them stories to make that, um, to make that work. But see, the other thing is mm. I've been on stage my whole life. So I sang in a, I, I sang in a, in an acapella group. So we did That's the doo awesome, stuff. Man. We opened for Ray Charles. Um, and then in, in high school and college, I did a lot of plays and things like that. So I'm like, I'm the guy who's doing exactly what he should be doing. So in terms of stage skills and just comfort level on stage, but, um, but I have a powerful business message. And so, and it's grown over the years. The more I've learned, the more books that I've written and the more countries that I've visited. I've spoken in 24 countries around the world now. I just got back from Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Wow. And Bogota, Colombia. And we launched the book in, in Mumbai, India because it's universal and everybody has a level of frustration. And, and, and I'm going to talk about that. I mean, we, I, I get asked this question. They say, you know, listen, we've been talking about it for 30 years. How could it be getting worse? And I will explain exactly why it's perceived at least in many cases as, as getting worse and what we can do, what your members can do to not be guilty of some of those infractions, but also to positively make a great impression, a lasting impression and create an army of ambassadors. When I was learning about you, I actually watched the story that you were talking about, about you and your crew going to Burger King in 1976, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I don't want to give away my big opening, okay. but, but, I, but, I, but I'll tell you, it's along the lines of, of a lot of what I teach. And here's the basic message. People buy from you and stay with you for one simple reason, because they want to. Yep. And the minute they don't want to, they'll go work with somebody else because they can, yeah. because the choices are vast. Everything about this is about making the people who are your prime audience, your prime customers or clients want to do business with you and want to do business with you before they ever do business with you. That's the other part as well. And that's where a lot of the marketing comes into it. Mm -hmm. But it's what are we marketing? That's the issue. And it's not just clever. We do blank and blank. So you can blank and blank, right? You know, <laughs> it's like go embroider that on a pillow. I mean, I, I love, I love a, a great tagline and slogan, but people don't buy for somebody because they have a great slogan. Yes. Right. What's Mazda's right now? Zoom, yeah. zoom, or, um, you know, or, or love. It's what makes Subaru a Subaru. You know what? I think I'm going to buy a Subaru. You know why? Because they love, you know, it's, it's stupid. It's ridiculous. 
or how many, I go on these rants. Here's the other part. I go on these rants. I saw another commercial. What's that one for America's best? It's like, I'm so sick of commercials with owls saying who? Mm-hmm. Oh my you know, god! That wasn't funny in 1932 when a nine-year-old came up with it, and it's certainly not funny today when nine other companies have owls in their ads saying "Who morons." Here's, here's the point. <laughs> hey, there are, there are legitimate ways, but there are legitimate <laughs> ways to stand out. Yes, there and are. And it's not because you have something clever to say. <laughs> it's it's by having something relevant that you do and appreciated that you offer. Mm. So we'll talk about how do we put all that together. One of our podcasts, <clears throat> I had Leo wrote on, he's, and he was a gentleman at Turbo. And we talked about the last mile, right? The customer experience all the way to the last mile. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of what you're talking about really kind of falls into that. Um, how important are the last touches and uh, customer experience compared to the overall interaction? What do you think? Lo- love it. Love it. First of all, we know that all... All the touch points. Oh. We don't say touches. That sounds inappropriate. Yeah, touch yeah. points touch are points. are incredibly important. But it goes to the old line about you know the chain being as strong as its weakest link. Mm. Any point along there, you know, all of a sudden you have this great product, so you got great services, you've done everything right, and then somebody has to wait in an incredibly long period of time from their perspective. Then that's a point that has diminished their impression. But the end of the journey, as you said, I think is really important because we have two kinds of customer experience. I don't mean to get technical. One is what Mm -hmm. we call static customer experience, which is how we rate a particular interaction. And the dynamic evaluation of customer experience is at the end of it, where we ask ourselves, would we do that again? Right? And if you have a phenomenal experience the whole way down, in the last 10 seconds, somebody punches you in the face, it's hard to forget about the punch in the face. And whether it's whether it's, it's physical or metaphorical, um, every point is, is important. But the last one is, it's that lasting impression. First impressions are very important, but lasting impressions. It is that authentic thank you. It is the follow-up. It is the, um, it's not, here's what it's not. This is a chapter in my book, and I go off in a rant on this stuff. You have this phenomenal experience. Mm-hmm. You have a great customer or client. The person who's more, most likely to buy from you, right, is somebody who bought from you before. Absolutely. So what do we do for our best customers? We bombard them with survey requests. And then they don't fill it, it out. It. And they don't fill it out. And then two days later, because it's on automatic drip, because people have Infusionsoft or Confusionsoft, as I call it, and they get another reminder, oh, you forgot to fill out our, our, our evaluation. We didn't forget, dude. We just we didn't, didn't want, want to. Do it. It. We just didn't yeah. want to do it. So by the fourth time, and everybody who's listening to this or watching this, you know exactly what I'm talking about because we all get frustrated by it. Now we're so frustrated because they keep bombarding us with requests for, for surveys or evaluation. They have just magically or tragically transformed what was a positive experience. Now I don't like you. Yeah, I was just fine. I liked it. But now you've, you've so annoyed me. Is that the last touch? Is that, you know, we talk a lot in the speaking business about, about mm. you know, do we do you're, you're like flat fees for expenses, whatever else. And I had a colleague who said, I want the last thing my customer sees and hears is the standing ovation when I get off stage. It's not their business, but I'm going to get turn in a receipt for $4 at McDonald's. I don't want them to think of that. I want them to think of what they saw there. But it speaks to, for us as well, do we have a, a designated and, and um, crafted, strategically crafted final touch? And is it one that makes you look good or is it one that's annoying? Is it a request for payment? What do you do afterwards? 
What is your thank you? How authentic are you writing note, handwritten notes? I mean, there's so many things. I don't mean it to sound trite, but to no. answer your question about the importance of that final touch is huge. The good news, Sean, is most do it really, really poorly. That, that's the bar, exactly the bar is that's pretty damn low. Or plus. Yeah. Really screw it up. <laughs> or, they, or they do nothing. Or they, they do nothing but, at all. Because they're transactional as opposed yeah. to relational, right? The transaction's done, right? My client, I haven't heard from them in a year, but they pay me every month, so things must be fine. Yep. Are you kidding? What, what, what you don't know will hurt you, yeah. and you're just a prime target for somebody else to steal them away because they think you take them for granted, and somebody else says, you know, we're going to love you up. I, I, I did a video the other day and I told a story about when I was probably six years old mm. and you're a little young, Sean, to remember this, but in banks, they used to give premiums for opening new accounts. And the, the classic one was a toaster. So if you went into a bank and you opened a new account, you could choose between a toaster and something else. And I remember asking my dad, I said, do we get a toaster? And he said, no, that's, that's just for new, new customers. I said, well, well what do we Why? get? What do we says, get? Yeah. Nothing. Right. I mean, these are the lessons that we got. Are, are we are we continuing to woo our customers yep. two months, six months, a year after we've got them? Are we reminding them of all the successes during the month that they knew nothing about? Are we reminding them how long we've done without? They're not just if we leave it to their own devices, they're just mm -hmm. evaluating us on how we handled the last crisis. Yep. One of the things that I talk about in terms of creating an army of ambassadors is is that whole idea of, of articulating the value that we're providing. Mm, that's really interesting. We have a lot. I mean, our industry is quite honestly, it is organized chaos. It, yeah. There is a lot of hair on fire. And when, you know, there are, there are breakdowns, like we have things that just yeah. go wrong. Yeah. You know? And so like for you, what would you, you know, how would you advise companies and facility maintenance when it comes to those breakdowns and failures? Like, What's the right. best way to handle? Well, you know what? I'm a big believer in transparency, um, but transparency doesn't mean showing every word. It just means making sure everybody's in the loop of what's going on. That's right. Um, yeah. if, if, if you screw up, then, then you fall on your sword and say, we screwed up. Here's what we're doing to make it right. Or we weren't able to get a person there or um, that the part wasn't the right one. And what we have to avoid doing, and this is super important, we cannot throw our coworkers under the bus. No, it's bad. This is, and, and, this, and, and this is really important. Everybody, oh, God, somebody from shipping screwed it up. I, we'll get it right or whatever. Or, you know what, billing, sometimes they just get on an automatic. Whatever. We've just, what we're trying to do is make ourselves look good. Like it wasn't my fault, but instead we diminish our, our company and our yeah. organization. And you really don't look good at all. Not at all. Not so, at all. And, and, all, and in most cases though, Sean, that customer, they don't care. Mm -hmm. They just want it fixed. So I think transparency can also be say, listen, the wrong part came in. We've got that done. We're doing an overnight thing. We'll be here. As long as they know what's going on, things happen. Yeah, this is absolutely. Next, the whole reason that you're called in most cases is because something happened, right? Yep. Whether it's, you're right, part failure or flood or, or something or electricity or somebody threw up in the place or things happen. Yeah, that you happens know? a lot but, actually. But, but what, we re <laughs> what we really like is is our vendor partners who own problems yep not own blame i don't they don't think they yeah, care no we don't need them they just want to own own the problem so it's such a i mean doing that process and and taking the opportunity is and of ownership when just we just talked about this on the podcast is great you brought it up yeah that's the opportunity 
that's the magic. That's if you're, if you, if there is actually something wrong and you, you gotta, you gotta fix for it, own it, fix it. The customer is yours. They're going right. to stay with you. But sometimes you can be the hero saying, listen, we figured out what the problem was. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. But it's also the verbiage. Anytime they, nature abhors a vacuum, right? If there's a vacuum and we don't know something, we'll fill it in. We'll make our own story up. Yeah. Don't let there be a vacuum. We say, here's what happened. Here's, here's what's going to happen next. We've got the part, whatever. When they don't know when it's going to get fixed, when they don't know when they're going to be able to reopen, when they don't know mm-hmm. something, they go to the dark places in their mind and they create a story. So let's just fill in all the gaps. And we, and there's great things that we can say, listen, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay here until it's done. I got two other people done. We'll stay as long as it takes. Clients freaking love that. So to answer your question, to get back to it, which is when things go wrong, things go wrong. What they want to know is, are you Johnny on the spot? Are you going to fix right? it? So this happened. Yeah, we're, all, we're on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're, we're not going to leave. We got this coming in. Just tell them all the things that are happening. Um, and it, it doesn't mean that, and don't believe that people say, you can turn these bad situations into good ones. Not always. Not always. Sometimes all we can do is just mitigate the damage and get it fixed sooner. Yeah. But sometimes you can be a hero. Yeah. And these guys. doing that, the right thing and, and having that. Saved our butt. Yeah. You're, I mean, chances are they're going to stay with you as, as long as you fix it. And they're, you know, you can make it right. Absolutely. I, I respect that. I've had people that that do fail and, and they make mistakes and I'll, I'll stay with the company because they fix the problem and they own that. And that's, that's generally, that's, that's something worth having, you know, my, my, my son is 16. He came home the other day with a, a tear in his eye and I said, oh. Hey, how was your day? Give me a hug, bud. And he says, you're not going to want to hug me. I said, what? But he said, come outside. And so he had barred my Jeep and he had gone through oh, the drive through no. at Sonic and just barely, and he's, and he busted like this little reflector light on the side. And he's just looking at me in like tears, like he's, and I, and I wrapped him in my arms. My kid's 250 pounds. And I said, dude, it's all right. I said, that's why they call them accidents. Yeah. I said, but you got to fix it. So just fix it. I'm good. And he's like, okay, thanks. You're not mad. I said, Spencer, if, if you had, if you had been joyriding with your friends and screwing around, you didn't do it on purpose. That's why it's called an accident. Now you're responsible for fixing it. But well, I'm not mad. And he owned up to the problem. And he showed That's me awesome. right away. And, and, and I gave him a big bear hug. And, and, and the part just came in the mail. And it was 20 bucks. It's fine. They build, so, they, you know, people build that up so much in their head about it's going to be in trouble. And I can't say this right. all the time. <laughs> so, but, but like I just sort of demonstrated, sometimes it's stories mm. that make it real. And so I do that a lot in my presentation. I tell a lot of stories that um, help them see the relevance. And here's how it applies in the real world. I love that. We spend a lot of time uh, on the subject of how clients uh, want to do business today. And then right. uh, and really are focusing more and more on serving those clients tomorrow. Like, you know, future casting, what's going to be going on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I kind of want to... And you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll talk about that at the presentation as well. Is um, I call it future-proofing your business. And what we used to do is we used to say, you know, I would do these big conferences and there would always be a futurist. He'd say, listen, your children, your grandchildren will grow up in a world, right, the Jetsons and all stuff. Yeah, that's right. Nobody says that anymore. You know what they say now, Sean? They say, by this time next year, Blink and blink. And so the way things are changing. Now, mm. 
like I said, for your, for your, for your members and others, being really good at what you do. I mean, being really good. That's the entry fee. I hear CEOs and leaders saying, listen, folks, at the end of the day, it's about quality. It, I could not disagree more. At the beginning of the day, it's about it is, quality. Yeah. You have to be great. You have to be great to even compete. But at the end of the day, it's about, it's about competitive advantage, right? But to be competitive tomorrow, you don't want to be Blockbuster or Toys R Us or Sears or something else who are always very good at what they do, but they just weren't doing it the way we do it now. Does that make sense? And Absolutely. People even lament. And listen, I'm a former journalist. I mean, that was, that was my degree in school was, was broadcast journalism. Watching these newspapers go away, it's tragic. But you know what? Do we have a lack of news? Do we have lack of access? To, we have probably a lack of access to impartial news, but we've just changed how we do it. You know, Blockbuster goes out of business. Is it because we're not watching movies? No, no not at all. We're yeah. just accessing them differently. So when I talk about future proofing for your members is they have to sort of put on that, that, that Swami hat or the, or the crystal ball and say, <laughs> how do we think, like, how are people engaging with us today? And how are they going to do it in the future? I just spoke for one of the largest moving companies, moving bands and, and movers. And they're doing exactly that. They're creating, instead of having an estimator who has to come around your house and document to give you an estimate of how much it costs, they're rolling out an app where you literally walk around your house. And I mean, they did it before. So last year, I learned a lot about That's this company. Cool. So they, they went around, people went around and videotaped their house room by room. And then an estimator would review all that and they would come up. Well, now they've created the big data AI algorithm that, if you go around your house, the artificial intelligence, the AI, identifies what's a couch, what's a whatever. Wow. And so you spend 10 minutes, you go around every room and you scan the room with this app and you click it and within 30 seconds, probably within 15 seconds, you get an estimate for, for, how, for moving. That's now, the core, the core of what they do is exactly the same, right? They're moving families. They're physically picking up stuff and bringing it to their truck. And, but how they do business is different. Because it's in line with our expectations in terms of immediacy and expediency. You know, I've got other colleagues in my, in my industry that create a marketing, like a one sheet. Yeah. Wants I mean, I've, everybody who's been doing this for a long time, I've got a garage full of, of DVDs of all the stuff that we would send when somebody wanted to see me, you know, speak, we would send them a DVD. We had a brochure. I haven't sent one in eight years. I don't send brochures. You know what we do? We send them a link. Yeah. Your website is your new brochure. That's it. That's exactly right? it. It's just, we're just doing things differently. And so that's it. And that's future proofing mm. is, is truly looking at, and we'll, and we'll cover a lot of that in the presentation is how are people going to want to do business with your industry? Um, are there going to be opportunities for restaurant owners or restaurant tours to track progress? Are they able to tap into cameras to watch in the middle of the night? Are they able to see the status of a part that's been ordered and they can have full transparency ability into the, uh, the supply chain? That's what's changing. That's exciting. So as an industry, There's that's so why, that's why meetings like, now. that's why yeah. meetings like this um, at, at RFMA are really important. Because as even though many are maybe competitors, but this is the time where we collaborate. This is where we bring the industry up. This is where we learn together about what's new, what's coming down the pike, so that we all be prepared. And as they say, a rising tide raises all boats. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. One more question, we'll wrap up. Yes, sir. 
So, I mean, obviously with, and we, with this industry and how it is so busy and there's so many different things going on and, you know, we're now demanding that our, our staff and our team handle so many things at one time because of that, I worry about divided attention. You know, right. I talk about that a lot. And I know that's something that you, that you kind of talk about as well. I, I, I jump on as well, but, but, but there's, there's two ways to define it. Um, multitasking is, it's, it's just part of the game. It's just, yeah, it is. you have to be able to do lots of things. Now there's ways of doing it poorly. Things like um, open door policies, which make leaders sound really good, but they're stupid because I mean, you're basically saying, Hey, come in and interrupt me anytime. You anytime. Want, even yeah. though I, I may have to take 15 minutes to get my brain back where I understand the sentiment. It just doesn't work. Multitasking is really important, except when, when it comes to engaging directly with our customers or clients, mm. we have to put the phone down. We have to stop typing. Even though, just because we can, we know, even if it's over the phone, we know when we have half your attention. We always, oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, right? Because then you're like, uh huh. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Hang, or, hang, hang on one second. Yeah. No. <laughs> tomorrow. Tell them tomorrow. Okay. I'm so sorry about that. Um, Sean. So, all right. What, what were we talking about again? You know what? It is such a gift that when we can give people our undivided attention, I've seen, I've seen little kids grab the phone out of their parents' hand, physically take their face in their hands and turn it towards them. Like saying, look at, look me. at me, pay attention to me. We've all had conversations with people who were half listening or people who are, who are scanning the room behind us to see if somebody more important is there. My God, this is your livelihood. Yeah. And yes, I know you have a lot to do, and it'll all be there when you're done with this one conversation. But part of what makes it great is that it's not done very often and done very well, right? It's it, Undivided attention is almost like, here's the analogy, it's like a thank you note. And they're a handwritten hmm. thank you note. And you know Why? Because first of all, it's very appreciated. And two is most people don't do it. So when you can give them, I actually have a line that I use. Um, so if I, somebody calls me because we answer our phone, we're incredibly responsive 24 hours a day because I've got clients in Singapore and, and Johannesburg. All over the world. Yeah. That's right. So we, we answer the phone. People are like, well, don't you have life balance? I'm like, they're not calling every day. Come on. Um, but um, when somebody calls and I'm in the middle of something, Instead of saying, can I call you back? Because they don't necessarily, what I'll always say is, hey, listen, can you give me 30 seconds to take something off my plate here? Um, I just want to hit send and give you my undivided attention. They go, oh, absolutely. They love it. That's awesome. It, because it's real. And I learned yeah. that years ago. You know what I learned? I learned because a client told me that he hired me because I had said that. And I said, he says, yeah, you said, you said there's something on my plate. Like, give me 30 seconds because I want to give you my undivided attention. I took mental note of that. Now I say it all the time. Mm. As long as you honor it and you come back in. But if somebody's in your office um, and you're talking, you have to take that call and you say, yeah, you know what? Can you give me 30 seconds? I'm just putting in a hold 30 seconds. I want to give you my undivided attention. And you go back and say, hey, listen, you got to excuse me a minute. I got to take that call. That person is respected. The person on the call feels respected. Um, we don't multitask when we're talking to customers and clients. Yeah. You can multitask the other 23 hours and 54 minutes of your day. But, but, <laughs> and that, we do, <laughs> but, that, but that, but that undivided attention is, is a gift that we need to give freely. That's really, that's really serving other people when you're doing that. Yeah. 
And I'll tell you, a lot of these yeah. things, honestly, I'm talking to myself. Because I'm, I'm just reminding myself. I always <laughs> say, whenever I, I have a, a poor behavior, I always say, if I was coaching me, what would I tell what me? I tell you? Yeah. I'd say, knock that crap off. <laughs> right? Put down your phone. I love that. Whoa. <laughs> well, well, David, what, what did you have? What did you just drop off your plate right there? I'm not giving my undivided attention. No, you're fine. You got to run a show here. I do. Listen, are, are we done? Like, we don't We're done, man. Listen. Because we want people to come to RFMA at the Gaylord Rockies Hotel here in Denver, Colorado. If you have not been to a Gaylord property. And first of all, that one is the, the brand amazing. new one. It's beautiful. Of downtown Denver is amazing. It's yeah. right next to the airport. So it's a shuttle, a, a nine minute shuttle ride. You don't even have to rent a car. Yeah, no, it's a great location, man. I, I'm excited to see you there. We're going to be there uh, podcasting. And I know you got your, your keynote. I, I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be a fantastic. I event. can't wait either. Hey, this was a, an epic podcast. Thank you, sir. There, I, don't, we, I don't think we lost anybody. I think they no, I don't think so at all. I, it was great. Thank you for being on the show. What's next for you besides this? Uh, oh, this uh, just crazy travel. So yeah. just be, between now and and the uh, and your presentation, I'm I am traveling everywhere, and we're launching the book around the world too, which is great. And, and Chinese and Vietnamese and everything else, and going to Germany. It's just it's what I do. It's amazing, man. Amazing story for our listeners, and they want to find you. Yeah, what's the best you can look at a little bit of a preview. You can look me up at David Avrin dot com a v r i n david com and the new book is called why customers leave and how to win them back actually if you want to read this before the uh the session it'll you'll you'll not think you'll hear my voice it's kindle it's on audiobook if you like yeah i do the, i do the audio book all day long but, it's but i do care to say it all right buddy i'll pick it up i'll be sure to read it i'm excited and uh, we'll see. Thanks for taking it. Appreciate it, friend. 